You know, there was a day not too long ago that concerning fishing, I was the real deal. <laughs> I was the real deal. Jack, Jack, you ever been the real deal in fishing, man? You know, are you the real deal now? Not too much anymore, yeah. That's me, man. I was the real deal, man. Anybody ever been the real deal at something, man, where you were just the expert, you were all over it? Man, I used to know that I, I used to know these waters, man. I used to eat, sleep, and drink fishing. And it was mostly inshore fishing. Now Gary's the real deal on that, so um, but man, I, I love inshore fishing. I can remember when I was just a little guy, um, a Christmas, one Christmas, my uncle, who was a fisherman and a golfer, that's all he did, especially once he retired. He was an architect, by the way, but uh, I knew him for fishing and, and golfing. And so, man, he got me a little Zebco 202. Anybody remember Zebco 202s, right? We all started those for bluegill. And a, and a solid red fiberglass rod, little one. And he gave me a little, uh, little plastic plug with no hooks. And he gave it to me for Christmas. He said, I'm going to take you fishing. Because, I mean, we fished on our lake. I caught bluegill. I caught bass. We had a lake. But he was going to take me from Orlando to the Kennedy Space Center and go saltwater fishing. Dude, that's exotic, man. As a little kid, and he's like, I'll take you wading out there fishing with the alligators and with the sharks and all the other stuff. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. He said, but you got to be able to take this little plug. And you got to stand. He showed me the distance in my backyard. And he put a coffee can out there. He said, when you can stand there and you can make that little plug land in that coffee can, nine times out of ten, I'll take you fishing. So he thought he was set for a little while, but man, I was diligent. I was out there. Boom, man. And next week, and I called him and I said, Uncle John, come on over. And he's like, you don't have. And boom, man, I had that Zepco 202 mastered, buddy. And, and he took me fishing. First time he took me fishing, man, I had, I remember it was a broken back rebel lure like a rapala but it was a broken back rebel anybody know what i'm talking about yeah. and it was silver with a blue back on it dude i mean i'm just a little guy and in fact when we waded out into the water out there we were up to like my uncle's maybe like waist or thigh and it was this high for me and buddy i can remember chunking that lure and i'll remember the first time from me to gary dude at eye level a trout hitting that top water plug oh my goodness it just set me for life. And I still would rather catch a topwater trout than just about anything. And so in the recent past, man, I used to be able to go out at Midway. Jack, you ever got at Midway? Dude, you remember when there was just lush green grass, you walk out at Midway or even up at the power lines on the west side? Man, you should be able to just walk out into the power lines. And there was a little shallow spot, a little dip in a sandbar. And all you did was walk on that sandbar and throw. Or first thing in the morning, you throw back into that little like six inch water and a big monster gator trout would just bust it. Nothing more exciting than having that happen, man. And that's my top water plug, man. Just walking the dog, blap, 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 bam! And uh, anybody here ever caught a fish off top water before? Like that in the morning? Is that not exciting when that happens? Man, we used to be able to do it all the time. And then once the sun came up, you know, and, uh, and, and, and we weren't done fishing yet or we didn't have to go to work yet, um, at that point, then you just throw a little jig. Ashley, I remember taking her out on her 16th birthday. She, all she wanted to do was catch a trout. Man, I want to catch a trout, and she ended up wanting to catch one bigger than her brother, and she did that time. We got her license and gave her a little jig just like this. All she did was throw it out, reel it in, and she kept, oh, I got something, I got something. Man, it was, oh, no, those are weeds. I said, when it hits you, you're going to know. 
And what happened, man? She starts reeling all of a sudden. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and it was the most exciting. We're out there waiting just right over here at Little Mud, man. We used to put in those mosquito compounds and walk. And she's waiting, and she catches this trout. Little did she know it was over 24 inch, about a 26 inch trout, big old fat gator trout, and it started to swim between her legs. That was exciting, wasn't it? <laughs> man, I got stories. It was so, oh man, I could take, I could take a sick, now mind you, this is how good I was, how real deal authentic I was. We dropped Emily off at gymnastic practice, and we had to pick her up in an hour and a half, and we, in the meantime, got there into the water, got waiting. I took her exactly where it was, and she caught a 24, 26-inch trout that day. Boom, that's how good I was. I was the real deal. And then I have a secret weapon here that I don't even care if it is. Man, later in the day, when you're not catching anything off jigs, this, plot, this forever, my uncle used to say it was cheating. And I'd put a topwater plug right there that goes bloop, bloop, bloop. And if they, it would get their attention. And if they were not aggressive enough to hit that top water plug, guess what, man? This little jig right here is just going right beneath it, swimming. And you'd go bloop and let it sit, and it would just hang. And as the current waves go up and down, this thing is just tantalizing the fish. And I can't tell you how many big trout, big snook, big redfish, biggest redfish I ever caught in my life. I wish I could say I, I, I called her up, Gary, man. Boom, 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 and I was like finessing her. I was just sitting there picking my nose, bro, and this thing was just underneath going like this, and bam, she took it and ran, almost four foot long in the flats up at Cocoa Beach. So, man, my whole life, man, I, I, I loved, I've gone through phases where, where I'm fishing, and there was a day where I was the real deal when it came to fishing. You wanted to know how to catch fish, dude, you came to me, especially in the river here. But guess what happened, man? You know, uh, I even got pictures to prove it, too. I got proof that I'm that I was the real deal. I could show you pictures of, dude. Uh, uh, I could show you pictures of snook caught off ultralight. Show you pictures of 32 to 36 inch trout that we've caught. Uh, I could show you pictures. Man, I posted a picture this past week that came up on Time Hop of a little snapper Emily caught when she was probably about eight nine years old. Man, I could put anybody on fish, but you know what happened? Man, I got distracted. Something else came up in life. Guess what? I got paddle boards or something. I don't know paddle boards. Or maybe there was a swell that lasted for three months or something like that. But something took my attention off of fishing and I got distracted. And so now I'm paddleboarding a little bit more. Now I'm, I'm boating a little bit more. Maybe now I'm scuba diving a little bit more. Maybe now, now this don't sound like a bad life, does it? All right. I mean, some of you are like, oh, I feel sorry. You have to go scuba diving and boating and paddleboarding and don't get to fish. What a horrible life. We're going to pray for you and fast for you, Pastor Ray. No, that's not there. I got distracted. From where I was the real deal, man, I was the real deal and I got distracted doing other things. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was almost, I, don't, I think it was last year, uh, Jay and uh, Linda aren't here right now, but I had a bunch of guys on the boat and we went down to my haunt. I was thinking, dude, I can take you guys right, Pittsburgh, Rob, you were on the boat that day. I'm like, guys, I can take you right over here by Little Mud, man. We'll anchor the boat, we'll get out, we'll wade some flats, we'll find some grass, bam, bam, I'll put all these guys on fish. Well, guess what? We didn't even get a bite. And I'm walking where there used to be grass. I mean, lush turtle grass, man. Now it's bald and there was snot grass on the bottom. It was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There was no grass anywhere. And there were no fish anywhere. And the water was not clear. It was just like, oh, this is kind of nasty. 
And so not only did I get distracted when I tried to take people out fishing again, now I got discouraged. Man, I was like, fishing's harder than it used to be. So I'd call some of my son's friends who still fish all the time, like, oh, yeah, we used to go catch 20 trout in the morning. No problem. Now, dude, we go all day to maybe catch a couple of them. It just isn't the same anymore. Now, does that mean you can't catch fish? Jack, can you still catch fish? There's still fish out there. They're harder, though, aren't they? How about you, Gary? Do you still catch fish? But they're out there. You've got to work hard to catch them fish now. And so what happened is I got distracted and I got off track of where the fish were and how to catch them and all of that. And then I went back just acting like it was going to be normal. And all of a sudden now I'm discouraged. So guess how much fishing I've really done since that last time we went out. And I'm walking through that bald sandbar through the snot grass and not a, not a sign of fish to be found. You know how many times I've been fishing? Yeah, no, maybe like once. <laughs> but close. And I was only half-hearted attempts uh, with throwing the, thing, the, the rod on the boat, you know, because I got discouraged. So I was thinking yesterday, this is how this kind of came up, because I, I studied for the message, and I was cleaning out the garage yesterday. I was kind of straightening up, and here's my tackle box that used to, like, live in my truck. So at any moment, any time, I could strap that thing onto a boogie board, or I could strap it onto my paddleboard, or I could put it in a boat, and here it was covered with dust. And it was in the corner of the garage. And I'm looking at it like, man, what happened? And God started bringing to remembrance this message and what happened to some of the Christians here. And I started thinking, I'm like, man, what would it take for me to start fishing again, to be the real deal? What would it take for me to be the real deal? Somebody tell me one thing it would take for me to be the real deal in fishing again. You got to go fishing. Yeah, duh. <laughs> exactly. You got to start doing it. Not just talking about it, not watching it on TV, not doing it with we, you know, some people equate that with reality nowadays, but literally I'd have to get in the water and I'd have to start fishing and it's not going to be as easy as it used to be. I now got to get there and find out where, Hey, you want me to tell you the secret to fishing or catching fish in Florida? How many of y'all love to know the secret from all my years of experience from here to here? Anybody? Nobody? Yes? Okay, I'm going to tell you the secret. And Gary can vouch for this. The secret to catching fish is you have to fish where the fish are when the fish are biting. You do that, man. Seriously, isn't that right, Gary? Fish where they are when they're biting. You do that, I guarantee you catch fish. It doesn't even matter what color your lure is. You're like, duh. But I would have to get out there and start finding out where the fish are. I'd have to start finding out when the fish are in that spot and when they're in this spot and when they're, you know, I'd have to learn all of this. But the first step is to do what? Go. Get back out there and go. But you know what happens? You know, you can go fish by yourself and everything, but what happens when now you start fishing? I have tackle boxes full of stuff, but if I started fishing again, what would happen? Anybody know? I'd start buying more tackle because now there's new lures that are this color. And, there's, and they're made out of this material, and they now do this. And you know why I would do that? It's because I'd go to the tackle shop. I'd go to Snook Nook. I'd go to Fort Pierce. I would go into these tackle shops, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'd start talking to the guys who work in the tackle shop. And they know who's catching fish. I go to White's Tackle in Fort Pierce, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, nobody's catching fish off those old lures anymore. They're catching them off these now, and you have to get it. And so what would happen is not only would I have to go fishing, but I'd have to start hanging out with guys that are fishing, right? 
You ever, man, and if they're catching fish, right, Penny? They're saying, we're down in, in Marathon in the Keys and we're catching fish. Where are you going to be next Sunday? Dude, it's, it's, it's like a magnet. I mean, seriously, if you don't hear anything from other fishermen and you're just out there and you're just kind of like, oh, the weather, this, this, you don't go. But if all of a sudden people are calling you and saying, man, Gary's like, we're slaying the snook on the beach right here and there's nobody but me. Guess what? I'm dropping everything and I'm coming to see Gary. Jack's like, oh, my goodness, Vitolo. Did I just give away a secret spot? Vitolo, man, we're in Vitolo. And the snook are going off, and there's redfish. I just got a, I just got a, 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 a trash slam. I caught a jack, a ladyfish, and a catfish. No, I'm just joking. But, man, if somebody calls me and tells me it's going off, that it's good, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and try to be, do everything in my power to be a part of that. So the key in me being the real deal again is, one, I need to go do it. But, two, I need to start hanging out with people that are doing it and doing it successfully. <laughs> that is what the writer of Hebrews tells the believers is the solution to staying and being the real deal as a believer. Let's take a look in the middle of Hebrews chapter 6 in this and, let, and let's see this. So he says, man, check, check this out in the very beginning. In Hebrews 6 verses uh, 9 through 12, he said, man, I know some of you are the real deal. Now let me preface this because in Matthew 7, which isn't related to Hebrews 6, it's other than it's in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, there's a story about Jesus dividing people, church people. He divides them, and some people are getting put in the line that's not going to heaven. And some people are. And there's people in this line that say, no, get in that line. They're like, no, wait, wait, wait. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do all these things? And what does he say to them? Never knew you. He said, he said no, no, you stay in that line because I never knew you. What he said is, you and I, you did a lot of religious things. You jumped through a lot of religious hoops. But he said, you and I never had an intimate growing relationship and that seems to be what it takes to be the real deal establishing that relationship with jesus christ and then living that relationship and so it, it when when the writer of hebrews is preaching to the hebrew congregation some of the people are saved some of them are lost some of them profess to be saved but they're not lost some profess and they just haven't grown it's like a typical congregation and so what i'm going to say to you is the same thing he said to them he said i'm looking out here and I know some of you are the real deal. Now, how many of y'all believe you're the real deal? <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some people going, yes, that's me. And I was like, okay, you raise your hand first. You're in. Who else? No. But literally, we all, all those people getting in those lines thought they were the real deal. He said, man, I know some of you are the real deal. And so watch this as, and how he goes with this. He said, but beloved... We are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak, may speak in this manner. If you were here last week, you saw we were talking about counter, uh, camo Christians. And, 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 and camo Christians needed to bust out and be bold. And he was saying, look, guys, if you're a camo Christian and you're hiding your Christianity and, and, and you're, you're afraid, you know, you're, you're, you're set back, not, not living it. He said, there's a chance you might not be a Christian. And so he's speaking pretty harsh, telling people, man, check your salvation. Check your relationship with Jesus. Make sure it's there. Make sure you're not just counting on some sacrificial, uh, you know, thing that you did like baptism or communion or you you can recite all kinds of Bible verses and you can do this and that. He said, man, or just the fact that you've been in church. He said, don't count on that. Count on a relationship with Jesus. 
And so he was pretty harsh last week in that last section. And now this section, he looks out again and he says, but I want you to know, I know that some of you are believers. He said, we are confident of better things concerning you. And I'm looking at every one of you because I know this church is different. Everybody in here is a believer, unlike all the other churches that he's talking about in Revelation 7, right? Exactly. And I, I pray, I hope, I, I hope, but only you know where your relationship with Jesus Christ is. And whether you actually have one or not, or you're just counting on some kind of religious ritual to get you there. He said, man, man, beloved, we are confident of better things from you. You guys aren't going to become dull. You guys aren't falling away. You guys aren't going to quit. I'm confident of better things. And what things is he confident of? Things that accompany salvation. In other words, there's going to be fruit in your life. He said, I know you're the real deal because there's things in your life that accompany salvation. Though we're speaking harshly to the whole congregation, I know there's some of you that are the real deal. So everybody look at somebody and say, man, I'm the real deal. <laughs> Yeah, you can just look at me and say, I'm the real deal. All right. I am the real deal. And not now, unlike fishing. Hey, Jack, we can be the real deal and then we lose the real deal. Right. And we can be the real deal. and Then we lose the real deal. What are you the real deal at now? Well, turkey hunting. Right. Was that loud? You're the real deal, bro. You were out there last week. Right. Did y'all get any? No. Oh, you're not the real deal, bro. No, I'm messing <laughs> with you. No, they were out there, dude. Hey, did you teach uh, Destiny how to like call them with her just mouth, you know? Not yet? All right, all right. Yeah, can you give us a turkey call right there? No, I'm just joking. But, dude, I, I guarantee you, man, they were stealth. They were camo. They, they, they were, you would have looked at them. They were the real deal, man. But like fishing, you can be the real deal, and then you can lose it. You can be the real deal and lose it. As a believer, when you become the real deal, when you give your life to Christ, man, you're the real deal. And how long are you the real deal for? Forever. Yeah, I gave you the answer. No, but how long are you the real deal for? Forever, man. You are the real deal forever. You can't lose it, man. It's there if you are. But now there can be times in your life where you get distracted or where you get discouraged. Anybody ever get discouraged or distracted in your Christian walk? Yeah. But if you're the real deal, you're going to come back and you're going to be consistent and you're going to be persistent. So he says, I know that some of you are the real deal. Everybody read this next part for me because... How would you know that I'm the real deal when it comes to fishing? I could talk a good talk, but you don't know that I'm the real deal till you see me with what? Pictures. But you know what? I could have actually had those pictures. Hey, Jack, let me take a picture with your fish. Hey, G Gary, can I see that snook for a minute? Here, actually take a picture of me with his snook. Now, that would be pretty low to do something like, hey, Jack, let me sit on top of your deer, your 10-point deer, and take a picture with it. And I tell everybody, but how would you know that I'm the real deal with fishing? I mean, pictures can lie, right? You've got to be with me. If I can take you out and, and help you catch fish, or even better yet, you be on the back of the boat, and I'm on the front, and I'm catching fish, and you're not. <laughs> you ever been there before? <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't be funny, but that seriously... You'd be trying hard. You'd be on the back of the boat. Come on. You'd be throwing the same spots. And then you'd be you're like, no, let me be in the front of the boat. And I'll let you be in the front and I'll go in the back. But if I'm the real deal, I'm catching fish, whether you are or aren't. And boy, Michael used to frustrate me that way because he was the real deal. I don't care how bad it got. He caught something, man. And I got skunked a lot. Anybody here ever been skunked fishing? <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all been skunked a lot? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, admit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go a lot to be skunked a lot, all right? So there's something to be said in that. So he says, man, I know you're the real deal because I've seen you in action. 
I have been on the boat with you, Roland Martin. <laughs> I have been on the boat with you, and, and, and I have watched you in action, and I have seen you catch fish. So in Hebrews 6.10, check this out, what he says about the believers. He says, I know some of you are the real deal. How do I know you're the real deal? Because I have seen you in action. But what we're, not, we're not talking about catching fish here. We're talking about things that are associated with salvation. Look at verse 10. He said, man, God's not unjust to forget your, what's the word? And, and labor. He said, dude, I have, seen your un, I have seen your selfless work and labor. If you are a believer, there's going to be some work and labor. You know, there's going to be an outward evidence. Like, no, no, I gave my life to Christ. It's between me and him. I'm a secret Christian. It doesn't have to affect anybody, and nobody else has to know. No. You have to be, if you're a believer, it's going to have an outward effect. I'll guarantee it's going to have an outward effect. There's no doubt about it. Hey, um, Pauline, um, would, would you come here and would you bite this extension cord for me? All the way down to the electric, okay? Uh, there's nothing going to happen. Do you believe me? No. What would happen if she, all right, how about you just come down here and just stick your tongue right in those two little holes right there. I'll pull it out. You stick your tongue in those holes in the wall. If she did that, what's, hey, Tom, what's going to happen? You want to try? <laughs> it's like the guy I encouraged to pick up the electric ray one time. He was like, hey, what's going to happen when you touch it? I said, I don't know, dude. I've never touched electric ray. He said, well, is it going to kill me? I said, I don't know, bro. <laughs> and he was a young guy, so he tried. He's like, yeah, it's like sticking your tongue on a whole bunch of those 9-volt batteries only through your whole body. But, hey, so, Tom, what's going to happen if you or her stuck your tongue in that electric socket or you were to bite? You get a great experience. Yeah. Would there be an outward result? Would there be outward evidence that you actually did touch the electricity? Absolutely, there would be out. How in the world then can you say I plugged into the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and, and nobody can tell? There's nothing to show on the outside. Dude, when you plug into him, your life changed. How many of you, when you gave your life to Christ, people looked at you and said, what happened? You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. There's something. There's an outward evidence, an outward result. And with other, you know, everybody it's different, but somebody should be able to, you know, a little kid, it was a, uh, uh, I heard him say one time, you know, if God is so big and he lives inside us, shouldn't he stick out? You know, now he was thinking, you know, but I'm just serious. If he's so big and he lives inside you, shouldn't he stick out? So he says, man, God's not unjust for you. I know that you are the real deal because I've seen the work and labor. Now we just got to figure out what kind of work and labor because and in those two lines in Matthew 7, that's what these guys going in the wrong line are saying. Didn't I work? Didn't I labor? Didn't I work? Didn't I labor? And he said, yeah, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. Keep on that line. And so there's, you got to know what kind of work and labor. So look at this. He says, your work and labor of what? Love. love. So it's love. Okay, let me ask you a question. A multiple choice that love for me, love for someone else, or love for God. That counts. Or all three of them. Love for me. Only if, it is, only if that is a result of, of you realizing that if you love God, it, it works out. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, if it's a love for you, you missed it. 
If you do it just because, man, you know, you reap what you sow, and so be, being a nice person, I'm going to have nice people back to me and all that, and you're implementing Christian principles because it benefits you, but it's not out of love for God, you got all the reward and all the benefits you're going to get, which is some. It's way better than hating people, right? <laughs> okay? And even if it's a love for just simply your wife, but you're not loving your wife because you love God and he's commanded you to do that. But you're just loving your wife. How many of you all know it's a good thing in a household to love your wife? John, do you know that? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what's the flip side? How's that work? Well, you've got to do it in God's agape love. Uh, yeah, you've got to do it in his agape love. But, but what if you don't love your wife, man? How, how's that? Hey, Mac, how's that household? And you got a sweet wife, bro. I can't even imagine her having a crossword or anything, you know? So, so if we just love our wife for our benefit or because it makes her happy and it just works, right? Right, Matt? Because you don't want the wrath of penny, do you? No, man. And no, I'm scared of the wrath of penny. No, I'm messing with you. But, but literally, you know, if it's for those reasons, it's the wrong reason. And, and what does it say? It says your labor of what? Which you have shown towards his name. And his name is everything he stands for. That's why that song was so awesome. You didn't even know what I was preaching. All of that. that it goes perfect with it. It's love for his name. Everything he stands for. I love him. And so when you love him, what does he cause you then to love? Everyone else. And see, in this world, we get it so backwards. It's like, I need love. I talked to a young girl this week. Man, I've known for a long time since... Man, I'm just alone. I need love, man. I need love. And I'm like, the only way you're going to get the love you're looking for is if you just sell out and dedicate your whole life to loving Jesus. You love Jesus, I guarantee you, it's going to be like that juicy mango. You bite into it and it's just going to drip all over you. You can't miss it. It's going to be the love of God. You start sharing that love of God, man, and the result is it's going to get you all messy too. And that's the way it happens. So he says, man, God's not unjust to forget your work. I've seen your labor of love, which you have shown in his name. Now, check this out. I'm not exactly sure how all of this works, but I do know that believers are going to have their works, their works judged. Okay. Now, when we as believers who've given our life to Jesus Christ, we know that we're going to heaven because we're covered by what he did on the cross. Now, when that happens, when we have judgment, is that judgment determining whether we go to heaven or not? No. no. If you're a believer, you're as close to hell as you're ever going to be. And your judgment is already done. But we have a judgment on our works. Everything that we have done in life is, is going to be judged. Okay. I am getting closer. I am begging God. I am studying scripture. I am intimately, I, I want to understand this whole judgment thing for a believer. And, and, and the best I've got, I know that when I'm with him, I'm going to be, I'm going to be sitting at his feet and I'm going to be in total awe in heaven with him. And, and, and if there's anything I want to say to him, what do you think it would be? I want to just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, as I see the pearly gates, dude, as I see the streets, of gold, as I just see him and realize there was nothing I could have ever done to earn my way here. I just want to be, I just imagine at this point in my walk with Christ that all I'm going to be able to say is thank you and I love you. <laughs> just thank you and I love you. And I want to show my love and I want to, I could never do anything to have earned it, but I want to be able to say thank you. 
And I think that's what this life is for from the moment I, got, I was born again. Is now I get to work on that thank you gift, that thank you note. That thank you that I'm going to present to him. So here's the way I kind of see it out of Corinthians. We do know that the heavenly dump truck is going to come, right? You guys know that? You're standing for Jesus and we're, and, and we're there. We're in, never to be taken out. And all of a sudden you hear, right? And you look around and all of a sudden all your works are dumped in a pile, right? Now, that might, the older we are, the more works we have, both good, bad works. All of our works are dumped in a pile. They're all right there. And so he tells us that the angel's going to come. And how are they going to test our works? By fire. By fire. So he's going to fire up that diesel blowtorch, you know, or whatever, man. He's going to have the, the most awesome blowtorch. Rob, you probably have a blowtorch. Don't you have one up in Pittsburgh? You need one to get out of your house sometimes, don't you? To, to frost your door. In Wisconsin, I can't even imagine. You guys know way more about this than me, man. Those, don't you have flamethrowers to, like, de-ice your sidewalks and stuff? Oh, no, come on, man. It's got to be more exciting. Than that. Dude, think of the most awesome. Yeah, dude, that angel's going to, like, he's going to burn your pile. And he says our works are divided into two categories. Into wood, hay, and stubble. And another category is gold, silver, and precious jewels. So when they take our giant pile or our little pile, what happens to the wood, hay, and stubble? It's gone. It's burned. It's gone forever. But what happens to gold, silver, and precious jewels when you put it under fire? It's refined, purified. Yeah, it changes form, but it's, it's just purified. It's even more beautiful. And then I think, so what happens is then whatever the gold, silver, and precious jewels is, I do believe that whether we take it to the heavenly blacksmith and he pounds it into a jeweler and he pounds it into a beautiful crown that we play, give to Jesus and say, thank you. Thank you for what, you know, whether it's this big or it's this big or this big, we, we give it to him. But in John's little books, when you read John's little books and you read this, you find out what the, the gold, silver and precious jewels is. It's works and labor that you've done out of love for who? For him. So if you just loved your wife just to stay out of trouble, bro. You just loved your wife because it's her birthday today, you know? <laughs> if you just loved your wife because, dude, it was just, that's the only way that it's going to work in this condo, you know? How I many condos get tight, right? You know? I'm just saying, if you just love your wife or love somebody because it's beneficial, that's wood, hay, and stubble. Hopefully you got a reward here because there's no reward in heaven for just that. Hopefully you love God. And because you love God, that's why you loved your wife. That's why you didn't eat your children, right, when they did that. No, that's why you, that's why you did what you did. And so, again, he says, man, God's not going to forget your works. When's he going to remember them? He's going to remember them in your judgment when he breaks out that heavenly blowtorch. He might remember them on earth, but... Honestly, again, he's going to remember him in that judgment. Man, God's not going to forget what you've done for him. He's not going to forget the labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. And look how he says, look, look what he says happens in this. In that you have what? Yes, Anybody know another word for minister? Serve. Serve. Yeah. Serve. And that's so, do you get the idea of the works that he's talking about? The ones that really count? It's not enduring one of my messages, all right? It's, what, what it is, it's, 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 it's loving him. 
It's loving him and everything he stands for and being his ambassador, which is what you were created as when you were born again. He, he made you a new creation to be his ambassador. And so because you love his name and everything he stands for, you're, you're now doing things for that reason. And, there, and there's actual labor and there's actual work and it's done in love for him as you what? As you serve. And who are we supposed to serve? Look what he says. As you have ministered to the. All right. And, and what do you say? Read the last three words. Yeah. So you've done it in the past, but you not only did it in the past, you're doing it right now. And so it's not just what you do to the saints. We should. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all been so ticked off at another church member at some point? You're like, no, obviously not in this church. All right. Because we just don't have that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying. No, I'm messing with you, but that's because you guys aren't here long enough. <laughs> but, but how many of you ever been so ticked off at a church member? You're just like, Argh. you just hear, you, you close your eyes and you see their face and smoke comes out of yours. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. He said, bare minimum, we should love the brethren. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you love God, you're going to love the brethren. If you hate the brethren, you need to get things right with God as much as that hurts each one of us. So we love the brethren. We love the people in Christ. But who else do we love? Everyone and we love. Hey, God so loved the world so much. Hey, God loves the world so much. What did He give us? His only begotten Son, that whoever puts their faith and trust and believes and will not perish but have what kind of life? So, if that's the way God showed His love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, He died for us and He gave us, He loved us so much that He gave us the best thing He gave us, which was His Son. What is the best way for us to love people? How about giving him his son? And now that may be through sharing the gospel with them, but it may just be through being Jesus in the skin for somebody, especially somebody who's really done wrong to you, someone who you'd like to punch, someone you'd like to get back, someone you'd like to have vengeance on. And don't you get all pious with me and say, oh, no, <laughs> you've been there. I'm just saying, man. Being Jesus in the skin to whoever he puts you in, in front of your path right there. That's how we can love. That's what he's talking about. He said, man, some of you here, I know some of you are the real deal. And you know how I know you're the real deal? is because I have seen your work. I've seen evidence of it. Man, I've seen evidence. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and again, he said, I've seen you minister, and you are still ministering. So go back to the fishing. It's like... Oh, dude, I have seen Pastor Eddie on the boat. Pittsburgh Rob live for a minute, man. I have seen him, and he was slaying the fish while I couldn't even catch him. He was trying to show me how to work this just right, but my rod wasn't the same. I, when I get a rod like his and line like his, and, and I can do my wrist just like that, man, I'm going to catch fish too, right, right? And, and, and that was last year, but this year he's even better at it. That ain't true, is it? <laughs> we haven't even caught out fishing yet. Weather's been crazy, but that's what he's saying. I've seen you guys. And I'm still seeing you do it. I'm watching you guys do it. He said, so man, just keep it up, guys. Some of you are the real deal, and I know it because I've seen it in your life. But he goes on and says, be diligent to stay in action. What are the two D words I used a minute ago? What was it that stopped me from fishing? One, I got what? I got distracted. Anybody ever get distracted in their walk? Yeah. Dude, you just moved here. This is your first year here, right? This is your first year. How many visitors have you had so far? 
Yeah, you go. All right, how many of y'all remember the when you, Mac, how long y'all been coming? Yeah, you remember 22 years ago when you just said, everybody, come see me, right? And, and, and it wear you out the first few years until they, like, you know, until you get a schedule down. Like, okay, here's the schedule. Sign up, you know, whatever. And we love every one of you, but in all of that. But, yeah, it, it distracts you, doesn't it? Because you are now the entertainment queen. You feel like a cruise ship hostess, right? The love boat. No, right? I'm just saying. Dude, there she is. <laughs> and, and, and so it's easy for us to get distracted. Dude, how hard is it for this beautiful ocean and sun and sand and sea and paradise to distract us from the things of God, especially if God wants to deal with some hard things with us? Hard things, ocean. Hard things, paradise. I'm going to paradise. I'll get distracted easily. And so he says, man, be diligent to stay in action. And if you don't get distracted, how many of you ever been discouraged? Man... I just can't do it. I'm such a failure. I can't live up to the standard he has for me. Fortunately, you don't lose your salvation. You're, you are his forever. You are saved. You're his child. And for this 15 grains of sand right here, that, this 100 grains of sand I got right here is 100 years of life. Man, it, 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 that's nothing compared to your home in paradise forever. That's yours already. Just fall in love with him and live for him here. Yeah, man, Paul got discouraged. He said, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do, and I'm so sick of it, but hey, are you disappointing God? Can you disappoint God? What does it mean to, Tom, if you were to disappoint me? Oh, I have so many Toms. There's three Toms right there. Tom Davis, if you were to disappoint me, you would have probably had to do something I would never have expected you to do. Like, go smack, take a chainsaw and cut through all my paddle boards on top of my car. Like, oh, dude, I am so disappointed. I never would have expected that. But that's what disappointment is, doing something that nobody ever expected you to do. So let me ask you a question. Can you ever do anything that God didn't expect you to do? No. Did, did he die and pay for your past sins only, and now you're just walking a tightrope right now saying, okay, God, oh, I know this one was really bad. I hope he's still paying for it. <laughs> God, are you going to get this bill too? No. Did he pay for your past sins? Yeah. Did he pay for your present sins? Yes. Okay, so everything you're doing right now is paid for, right? Okay, did he pay? How many of y'all disappoint yourself and you've done stuff in the... How many of you think you're going to disappoint yourself? You're going to do something in the future you never dreamed you would do. Yeah, I guarantee you will, right? Did he pay for those too? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get a spanking. That doesn't mean he doesn't correct us. It doesn't mean we don't get hurt when we sin. But God's not mad at you. In fact, what's the word for God, the L word, the, the, in God's, life, God's relationship with you? What does he do? He loves you. And, and, and is his love perfect or imperfect for you? It's perfect. So, hey, Jack, if his love is perfect for you, can he love you any more than he loves you right now? Even if, dude, you just came home with a 25-point deer and you're like, look, God, I got this for you. I'm going to put it on Facebook in Jesus' name. Right? A 25-point deer, could he love you more if you shot one of those? No. In fact, some people think he's, he's going to hate you for that. But I'm just joking. We got both sides here, bro. But I'm just saying, you can't do anything to make God love you more. Do you understand that? Now, how about if you use all of God's money and you go out hunting and you get skunk? Is he going to say, dang, Jack, <laughs> I'm really disappointed in you, Jack. <laughs> I'm real, it, 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 can, he, can he love you any less? 
No, you understand his love for you is what? What's the P word again? Perfect. It's perfect. But the fact is, is that in, when we sin, when we fall short of his perfection, there's consequences. It hurts us and it hurts the people around us. And he, that's what the problem is. So, man, he says, man, just be diligent and stay in action. Don't get discouraged and don't get distracted because those two things go together. So look what the writer Hebrew says. And we desire... He says, we desire that each one of you show the same, what's this word? Diligence. What does it mean to be diligent? Anybody? Stick with it. Does that mean we're like running the whole, dude, your marathon, you did a marathon, right? A half marathon. Did you sprint the whole way? Did you sprint any part of it? You felt like you were sprinting, right? But if we took pictures, it was probably like, oh, you know, yeah. You didn't run the same speed, but you were what? What's the D word for diligent because you started and you finished? Does it mean we go the same speed? Do we have the same success always? No, diligent. Does that mean you're not going to ever mess up, Roger? No. Yeah, exactly. And we might even go backwards. Like when he's running that marathon. And then sometimes you got to do that to go forward, right? You got to get rid of what's, what's in the way. So we go backwards, we go forward, but, but man, we're diligent to keep going. When you fall down, what do you do? Get up, get up. don't lay there and cry like a baby because the longer you do that, the worse it is for you. Get up and be diligent and keep going as soon as you realize you're down, as soon as you realize you've slowed down, as soon as you're not making progress. Man, start making, because who's going to benefit from this progress? Yeah. You are. <laughs> it's for your benefit to live for him in this. He said, man, we desire each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope till when? Then. Yeah. Dude, just keep going because I, I can't, I don't have a full grasp on it yet. I don't know how this whole rewards things works. In fact, pray for me because it's one of those things God's making me beg him for. And I'm open to your explanations and all of that because, dude, I just, I just, I want to know. And I probably am not going to fully know till I get there. But all I do know is he says, whatever I do for him here is going to be worth it. Is there any doubt that you have wasted anything for him? How about all these parables where he says, man, the dude found this, 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 this field it's got a pearl. He sold everything in the world to buy this field so he can have that. I mean, the kingdom treasure, the kingdom parables, man, that's what he's telling them. Just go for it. Matthew 6, said, seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added. Man, it's going to benefit. It's going to be worth it. How many of you already know, have seen the fruit or the benefits of being diligent and seeking him? Anybody seen those benefits yet? Yeah. Can you even imagine what they're going to be like in heaven? <laughs> That's where, man, we can't even imagine our wildest dreams. So he says, man, be diligent. Be diligent to, to, keep, to keep on doing what you're doing. Um, he said, be diligent to stay in action. And um, so until the end. And he says that you do not become what? Sluggish. Sluggish. Yeah. What happens if half... Did you ever feel like halfway through your marathon you wanted to stop? Did, how about you slow down? What would have happened if you had just slowed down? Oh, I'm going to get my breath, and I'm going to get everything together, and I'm going to get life perfect again, and then I'm going to start running. Is that what would happen? <laughs> I mean, you slow down involuntarily, right? You know, sometimes, but, 
you sometimes just gotta keep going. What does it mean to be sluggish? Yeah, it's the same word earlier in the chapter he used as dull. And you've got to stay sharp to cut through this tough life. He's talking about staying sharp. He's talking about just go, going as best as you get, giving everything you have to him. Hey, Colossians 3.23, that's one of my life verses. Anybody know that verse? Seth, you know that verse? I'm going to call you out right now. Whatever you do, help me out. Whatever you do, do it. What? How much? wholeheartedly with everything you have. And who are we doing it for? We're doing it for the Lord, not for men, because he says later the reward's going to come from who? Him. He said, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly and do it for the Lord because that's where the reward is going to come. And he's even talking about in the next life. And he doesn't tell us exactly what that reward is and all of that. And and, and he said, just go for it because it's going to benefit you later going to benefit you now but it's going to benefit you later so man he said don't i want you just to keep going man you feel like getting distracted but stick with fishing (laughs) you feel like getting depressed all the grass there's only snot grass out there there's no man vitolo ain't what it used to be and you know what i notice when we're surfing man there's a bunch of guys that sit up at the at the pavilion at the beach at the little uh you remember, we were at the beach the other day, and there's a bunch of guys sitting right there on the bench looking at the waves. And there's, you know what they're talking about? Well, that wave ain't what it used to, you know. I don't think that wave would be very good. Man, that, you know, maybe, but yeah, the waves are getting crap. You know, they're getting worse. And, and, and does the, do the waves ever get any better for those guys sitting on the bench up there? Who do they get better for? The guys that are out there riding them. So get off the bench and go ride. That's what he's saying. You feel like getting discouraged. You feel like you're getting distracted. Get back on track. Paddle out, man. You might, even if it's one wave, man, it could be the wave of the day for you. You're going to benefit nothing by sitting on the bench grumbling with all the other old people that it ain't any good. All right? So he says, man, the whole purpose so you don't become just sluggish. We're almost done. Last point, he says, stay, here's how we stay. What are you laughing at? <laughs> well, was, it, was it the last point or that we're almost done? Almost done. <laughs> Dude, time? 11.01. Give me five minutes, sister. We're here. Hey, you know, last week I was done by 11, and you know what happened to the clock? It broke. <laughs> Literally. And, we, and Charlie had to fix it, and Milton, Milton didn't bring it. But I, I'm count, I want to see the beautiful little duct tape job they did on it. So, All right. So the last point, again, is he says, man, he says, I, I know some of you guys are the real deal. He said, I know you're the real deal because I've seen you in action. He says, man, be diligent to stay in action. And one of the ways you stay in action is by staying with others who are the real deal. Dude, if I started hanging out with Gary and with Jack all the time, man, I would become the fish whisperer, you know? I'd be the fish whisperer, man. I would have it down. And, and I started hanging out with those guys in the tackle shop because we become like the ones we hang out with, don't we? You lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. That's the negative end. The positive end is that you become like the ones you hang out with. And that can be a good thing. So here we go. Oh, the last half of this verse, he says, but imitate. What does it mean to imitate? Okay, so imitate me. Okay, thank you. Imitate me. Imitate me. Okay, imitate me. <laughs> I want to see how far I can take this. No, it's like, I had a few of you, but I didn't have full participation. All right. But you know what it means to imitate? 
in order to imitate, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to be with them, and then you've got to watch them, and then you got to kind of understand because not everybody can just do this. All right, you have to watch the technique. Watch my footwork. Okay, see that? All right, and so to, so there's techniques. You got to you actually have to spend some time and put some effort and energy into this, you know, to be an effective imitator. He says so. Imitate those who through what? Through faith. These are people that basically are the real deal, man. Dude, when I'm out there, if I'm out there fishing with Gary, and Gary's got a jig, and it's got a different colored tail, if I'm imitating him, what do I do with my tail? Do I, do, I be, do I be proud and say, nope, I can catch it off a root bear tail. Gary's got a pink and white tail. If I'm going to imitate him, what do I do? Dude, I got to get a pink and white tail. If he's got an electric chicken tail, I better put electric chicken tail on there. Whatever he's got, if I'm imitating, I got to follow him. And, and as long as he's doing the right thing, if he's catching fish, I'm, I'm imitating him. He said, imitate those who through faith, and what's the next word? <coughs> patience. Inherit the promises. Hey, hey, what's the hoopo word for Greek and patience? This guy knows Greek, man. Come on, just off your tongue, hoopo. I don't know it. Man. Yeah. And what does patience mean? Anybody know what the Greek word patience mean? You know? Okay, I'm sorry. I put you on the spot, dude. I thought you were like my lexicon, bro. All right. I'm messing with you. This Greek word patience, you know what it means? Literally, it means to endure cheerfully under a heavy load. You go look it up. That's what it means. It means to endure cheerfully under a heavy load. How many of y'all ever have a heavy load? Anybody ever get a heavy load? How many of y'all got a heavy load right now? You're saying, my load's so heavy, I can't even raise my arm. Yeah. If you got a heavy load, who put the heavy load there? God's allowed it there. For a purpose. And he wants you to endure in your own strength, in his strength. And does he want you to, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Is that how he wants you walking around? Like, oh, man, I can't wait to go to heaven because, boy, I'm suffering for Jesus here. Anybody want to be like you? KK, uh, Code, you ever meet somebody like that? Yeah. Was it appealing? No. That's not who you want to be like. Yeah, endure cheerfully under a heavy load, knowing that this heavy load is there by God's design to make you stronger, to make you have more faith, to make you have more endurance. It's going to make you better. And plus, what a privilege it is to be used by him in this way. You ever look at your heavy load as a privilege? It's a privilege to represent him because, again, it says when you were born again, you were now a new creation. Everybody know you were a new creation? And that new creation, what you were created to be, if you go look at those verses, you're created to be an ambassador. So if you try to be anything other than an ambassador, you're going to be miserable. So God, as an ambassador for him, he gives you a heavy load and says, endure this in my strength. So when you get done, everybody say, how did you do that? And you're saying, it was Jesus. You got this heavy load, but God's got strings up there. He's got strings. He's holding it. You just look like you're holding it if you're doing it through godly patience. He's only putting enough weight on there to build that endurance. So he says, man, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So again, that's what we talk about here is to help each other see life from God's perspective. So check this out again. The fact is, is I used to be the real deal. <laughs> All right. 
I even have proof that I was a real deal because I got pictures and I got people that will tell you, man, yeah, I saw him catch this fish and this one here. I got proof, but I got distracted. And then I got discouraged. And if I'm ever going to be the real deal again, man, I got to start hanging out with people who are the real deal. And in our walk with Christ, it's the same thing. You become the real deal by giving your life to Jesus Christ if he gives you the desire to do that. But it doesn't mean just give him that. It doesn't mean just give him that. What it fully means is give him this. Just totally put your faith and trust in him. Surrender yourself to him. And then you become the real deal. And it's going to show itself through works that we do out of love for him. But it doesn't mean we're not going to get discouraged and distracted. But when we do get discouraged and distracted, we've got to keep going. And the easiest and best way to keep going is if you hang out with people who are going. Because I don't know about you, but how many times have you found strength in another believer to keep going? Anybody ever been, had another believer give you courage and give you strength? How about you? Have you ever been used to give another believer strength and courage? Yeah, I guarantee you have. And that's what God wants for us today. So I'm looking out at you guys and I'm just saying, I know you guys are the real deal because I've seen the labor of love for him in your life. Keep going and make sure you keep hanging out with each other to help each other see life from God's perspective so we don't get distracted and we don't get discouraged. And if you're either one of those things, I hope today encouraged you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Um, this message, um, thank you for tying it up and tying it together every single week because um, that in itself is a miracle. You know, as I study this word and my desire is to communicate it in a way that can be understood and remembered and then applied to our life, Father, I, I can't do that in the flesh. I ain't even smart enough to do that in the flesh. But Father, as I just put the time in with you and, and read it and you start showing it to me in my life, Father, I'm grateful that you then give me the privilege to show it to this congregation. Father, I pray they would never see this as something that's coming from me. I have no agenda other than my love for you and to glorify you. And Father, if it's ever going to change any of our lives, it's got to be the Holy Spirit of God taking it and piercing our hearts. So Father, thank you for that happening. And I pray that today, that if there's somebody discouraged or distracted, that they get back on track, that they would regain that focus. I pray that we would find joy and peace and love in the fact that we are the real deal and that can't be taken from us. Father, I pray we'd examine our life to see what kind of fruit has come out and maybe be more diligent um, to serve you out of love. Father, um, I don't even know how I could begin to say thank you other than just to say thank you. And so, Father, um, I just pray that as believers that we would encourage each other to see life from your perspective. And if there's somebody in here that's not sure that they're the real deal, they're not sure that when they die they're going to heaven, or if you were to come back right now, that they would be snatched up. Father, um, I pray you would let them know that you would let them know in their heart right now that there's a question as to which line they would be put in. And Father, that with that question, 
And with that truth being revealed, that you would then reveal the cure and you would just give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you and just nail that down. Father, I've never met anyone who surrendered themselves to you and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me who wish we had done it sooner. So Father, would you give somebody that desire they can't refuse to surrender themselves so every one of us can walk out of here knowing we're the real deal and we can represent you as that ambassador while we're here, but know that we can't even in our wildest dreams imagine what it's going to be like in heaven when we get there. And we will be there forever. Thank you for making that possible. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.